We are delighted to have author David Instone Brewer with us today. Welcome to the show, David. Uh, great to be with you. Before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I, I sit in a, a very <laughs> small <laughs> office all day, and I, um, I'm a Bible geek. I'm paid to study the Bible, and uh, at the moment I'm looking at every place where pronouns occur in the New Testament and linking them up with the correct grammatical uh, portion of, of, the, of the sentence. And I, I do ridiculously detailed work like that <laughs> yeah. in order to understand what the text says. Awesome, that sounds so good. So how long will you be doing that project for, David? Oh, that, that'll be over by the end of the week. Oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. So you've got a new book out, Moral Questions of the Bible. Give us an overview of a book and also how you come to write it. Well, I, I, every month I have this column in Christianity magazine where I have to come up with something interesting and novel and new without being <laughs> heretical, which is really difficult. <laughs> but uh, I, often I, I'm puzzling over things in the Bible like, how is it in the Old Testament we're told to do one thing and in the New Testament we're told to do something else mm. and now the world has changed what on earth do we do mm. how do we take uh, the Bible as a guidance for life so that, that's what uh, hit me on the lots of the chapters here in this uh, moral questions of the Bible so what were your methods or tests when coming up with a conclusion as to whether or not the law or the command issued in the Bible was still applicable today well it's two tests really first of all look to see if it's changed within the Bible itself. So, you know, it, it, you've got uh, things in the Old Testament about women and about slavery and about uh, life and uh, about uh, mixing religions in marriage and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then you look in the New Testament and things have changed. If they've changed, then you know that that particular command, that particular regulation, isn't something that's timeless. They must be linked to the circumstances in which they were given. And the, the other test is is the circumstance in which they're given actually part of that regulation? You know, we, we might be living in a completely different circumstance, and uh, so we do need to look at that too. Yeah, sure. So what, what was the purpose of law in the Bible then, David? Well, God's got his purposes. God wants to, uh, to bring us closer to him. God wants us to not uh, fall apart and you know, be a, a, a society that helps, its, helps each other. Yeah. And so God gave laws that would prompt people in those directions but of course uh, that that isn't going to be the same in every society you know you don't um if, if you want to encourage uh, girls to be educated for instance mm. uh, in the old testament you can give a certain number of prompts in that direction but it's not going to get very far because uh, you, you need the girls just to get on with having babies and looking after the household and they really don't have time for anything else yeah. but by New Testament times it's a completely different situation there is more time and so Paul and Jesus are encouraging women to be educated and now of course it's a completely different situation so we have to think about what is God's purpose what's, what's God pushing for yeah. all the time yeah. and work for that our God isn't a God of confusion at all. How have we got ourselves as Christians today into such a bit of a pickle with, with so many different subjects? I think there are too many lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> or, or perhaps there are people who um, think in legalistic ways. You know, they, they look in the Bible and they look for a rule and they want to follow that rule instead of thinking, what does God want? That's what I want. 
what one of the early chapters in the book you talk about abortion which I know was a subject that you had some first-hand experience in because you, you speak about it in the book that you was a medical student tell us a little bit about your research on this and what conclusion you came up with yeah in the New Testament times they didn't have abortion like we do that would have been really dangerous uh, opening up a woman or trying to get her to have uh, to deliver the baby early yeah. uh, people died that way they did try it but uh, yeah people died so what they did usually was wait for the birth and then they put the baby in front of the head of the family which might be the baby's father or it might be the father-in-law depending if he's still living in his house and if he picks the baby up and gives it a name and says welcome to the family Susan or whatever mm. that's fine if he turns his back and walks away that's it mm. that baby has to die mm. and and it's, it's sometimes they, they did actually kill them but often they sort of would just abandon them they would it's they called it exposure um, in the classical world they would put them on a hillside and uh, wait for the gods to help or or not but uh, in practice, you find a, a rubbish dump around the back street somewhere and you leave the baby there. It's absolutely terrible. One of the things that I really enjoyed when reading the book is how much detail and how much context. And there's so many well moments where, you know, you reveal things that I had no idea about. And this was, you know, exposure was one of those things. Um, tell us a little bit about the conclusion you came up with about abortion, say, because I know, I know even today, well, in actual fact, with, with all of the topics that you cover, there are there are Christians that will land in different places on, on pretty much every subject that you cover. So t- tell me about the conclusion you came up with abortion and, and you know, why it's important. Yeah, yeah. You, you say I bring up all these uh, interesting <laughs> details. It's because I actually live in the first century. I'm, I'm a little bit... <laughs> that's that's, that's uh, where my mind lives. Yeah. So I'm, I'm quite at home there. You do a, you do a great it, job of taking us there, though, David. I mean, that, that, that's one of the great things about this book. We, we've, we you, you take the reader on a journey and we feel like we're there with you. It's brilliant. I love that. Well, what, what, one of the benefits of reading so much stuff that's outside the New Testament in the first century is you, you get a feel for um, the audience that the New Testament is written for. Yeah. And in, in Acts, you get this uh, uh, apostolic um, decision to send a, a letter around to all the churches telling them to stop doing four things. Mm. And it, it's um, there's blood, and there's um, strangling, and there's, oh goodness, I can't remember what they are. Hey, so uh, uh, putting in um, idolatry mm. and um, se- sexual immorality, yeah. four things. Yeah. And uh, people have been confused about what this strangling is. It's a really rare word, pniktos. And I, I decided, well, okay, let's look at every place in ancient Greek literature where this word pniktos is used. Mm. <laughs> we, we've got this... Um, database called TLG, the Thesaurus Recolinguae, which has all of Greek literature from the year dot to a thousand AD. And so you can search through everything that's been written. And I found only 10 places in the whole of Greek literature using this word. Five of them were in uh, menus. <laughs> menus, yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a meal had been served up, and there on the menu is pniktos, meat that was well, whatever. Yeah. And uh, people would discuss their meals after they've eaten them in the ancient world. You have old books written on meals which people have eaten. Yeah. It, it's a crazy world. Anyway, so <laughs> there, there I was trying to find out what this pnictos meat was. And it's they, they get a fetus, a baby, uh, you know, a baby pig or baby lamb or even baby octopus, and they 
snuff the life out of it. Mm. They um, smother it they, with their hands uh, till it's they, you know, to kill it, and then they cook it just very lightly, and it's very succulent. Absolutely disgusting to me to mm. think of doing that, mm. but uh, that, that's what I did. And of course, that's what you did when you had a baby that you were going to get rid of. You, you don't leave it screaming on the rubbish dump. You cover its mouth until it stops crying and is dead, and you leave it there. And they snuffed out these babies. You don't strangle. It's not a regulation against strangling food. So you can't stra- strangle yeah. a cow before you eat it. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> Yeah. You can't even strangle a goat or a sheep, really. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was just this word pictos. You don't strangle. You don't snuff out life. You don't do that at all. Yeah. There are Christians under the. Um, I mean, I've, I've had conversations via our Facebook page before for Exposit the Word, where um, you know Christians w- will stand up for um, pro-choice and and they'll say that um, you know we shouldn't judge and they'll quote bible verses and they'll also say about um you know which obviously there are some circumstances where you know and i know it's a small a small percentage about you know incest or rape and 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 it will often go to there in the argument what 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 would you say to those christians that are still um you know fighting the case and using scripture to um encourage abortion today I wish that, um, that there was a, more of an understanding of letting the child be born and letting it be either adopted or, if you change your mind, helping that person yeah. to be able to support that child. Yeah. That, that's what the church should be about, uh, helping people who are pregnant. And, and I can see how uh, you know bearing a child after a rape is, mm. is absolutely terrible. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, personally, I'm not against the morning-after pill uh, you, you, there's a, another book coming out with uh, science questions and now I go into the, the science of uh, development and uh, when life actually begins and uh, you know when when it is okay mm. and uh, the, the morning after pill I, I, I see no problem with but if you've decided to go on after that then there's a life there and so it's it's not your life yeah um, we, and we should be looking after that life. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you. Very helpful. So another one of the chapters that I found really interesting was um, should Christians use crude language? We live in an entertainment age today where, you know, I'll be sitting down, you know, not very regularly, but whenever we sit down and we'll watch a TV series, even when that's on at, you know, it could be on three o'clock in the afternoon and they'll be blaspheming. That just seems to be in every single TV show now. Crude words, you, you know, end up in PG films now where they didn't years ago. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the use of crude language and, and where we should be as Christians within the uh, use of it. Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> when I went to teach a class about the resurrection and um, and I said about how Jesus Christ rose. And as soon as I said Jesus Christ, everyone sort of sat up <laughs> as if, whoa, what's he, what's he doing swearing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the only time they ever hear Jesus Christ as a swear word. Yeah. It's it's we do live in a crazy world now, where uh, blasphemy is just okay, mm. uh, and 
the crude language has always been with us. Blasphemy is something which is rather new. I mean, the, the New Testament does have crude language. Mm. Uh, there, there's things that we just can't translate into English properly because... <laughs> Paul wasn't always as polite as he might have been. <laughs> and so, so, some of the uh, other terms that you find in the Bible, you just have to think, well, I, I don't know if you realise, I'm on the NIV committee, and so we're, we're often looking at different ways in which things should be translated. Uh, and sometimes we think, this is going to be read out in church. Yeah, yeah. And, and we, we've got to remember that. We've got to, be, uh, we've got to remember <laughs> the blushes and the giggles <laughs> when we're translating. But uh, yeah, rude language in itself, uh, the, the sort of the forceful language, that's not the bad thing. It, the ba- really bad thing is the blasphemy, the, where mm. you're taking God and saying, you you are nothing, because I'm just going to use your name to say something really crude. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in, in a world of text messaging today, um, I know that OMG has become extremely popular, especially with young people. Where do you stand on that? Is that still blasphemy, David? It's it's a matter of whether you remember what it means. Mm. Uh, you, you have to re- recall that blimey is may God blind me. Oh wow, really? Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. And damn is you know may God damn you. Wow, okay. to hell. Yeah. So the, the, these these things they become just part of our. Uh, language and we don't think about what they mean and I guess if we're not thinking about what they mean then it's but of course someone else who's receiving it might know what it means yeah you you hear Christians say crikey where of course that's Christ and uh, (laughs) yeah uh, uh, bloody isn't referring just to the red stuff that comes out of you it's saying by the blood of Christ wow which that's what it used to be, you know, and, and now it just sort of becomes shorter and shorter until you forget what it means. So, it, it, you, it, whatever crude language you use, you're, you're likely to be going back to some sort of blasphemy in the past. Mm. And, well, personally, my language is BBC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what chapter did you find hardest to write, David, and why? Oh, goodness, let's see. What, what, what have we got here? Um... I, I think probably you know yeah, yeah sex and singleness <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a tricky one yeah, yeah. and um, uh, oh racism oh gluttony was a really interesting one I had no idea how um, in the early church uh, if you ate until you were really full that was gluttonous yeah, yeah. Oh, that, would, that would save us a lot of obesity wouldn't it yeah Personally, I do like being full. <laughs> I think the, the hardest chapter was the, the one that was um, the, the introduction and conclusions, which are trying to work out the method by which other people can take the Bible and say, okay, I'm going to look at the details here, mm. and I'm going to look at um, uh, how it works, and I'm going to see what God is telling me about what I can do in my life. Yeah. And I want to make it very simple so that people can do that for themselves. So I don't want them to pick up a book by an expert and say, okay, that's what the expert says. I want people to be able to read the Bible for themselves and say, okay, this is what God wants. Yeah, that's so really good. That's really good. Giving them, giving them the tools. I love that. That's great. I mean, that, that may well lead into my next question because I was going to say to you, what topic are you most excited for people to read? <laughs> I want them to read the Bible. <laughs> yeah. 
I want them to go to the Bible and say, hey, this really is God's message to me and to, to, to my society. Yeah. And what's he saying? And, and not to be afraid of asking the questions. Because there's going to be loads of places where you say, this really doesn't make sense to me at all. And that's okay. That's okay. All the important bits, bits about Jesus dying for us and asking for forgiveness and, and Jesus coming back to save this planet, going to hell. It's, all that is clear. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's the, the bits we don't understand. We don't have to be worried about them. We don't have to be uh, frightened. But tease at them and get at them and pray about them mm. and, and see what God is saying about, about those things. Yeah. And that, that it's, it's, so it's not that I want people to read my book. I want people to read the book, see how to read the Bible, and go off and read the Bible. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good. Did your own opinions change on any matters whilst you were researching and writing this book? Hmm. Lying. My 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 view of lying changed quite a bit mm. because I really hate lies. I I, I I don't know if I'm a bit of Asperger's on this. You know, I <laughs> tend to listen to what people say and believe them. Mm. And uh, when when it turns out to be a lie, it, it really undermines my my thinking. And uh, I I just uh, I personally don't lie, and I find it very difficult coping with people who do lie. But I. I when I looked at that, I realised that there are so many times when a lie is necessary. You know, Herod had to lie about Jesus. Um, sorry, the wise men had to lie to Herod about Jesus, yeah. and uh, you know, not not tell him where they where he was and things. And you, you sometimes you have to lie to hide someone from a, a deadly enemy and that. So I, I can see that lying is necessary, but I I can't tolerate it myself. Yeah. But I realised that the Bible has a clear distinction, which I hadn't noticed before, between perjury lying, that's so giving an oath saying, I'm going to tell the truth, and then you don't, yeah. at, you know, in a legal sense, and social lies. Uh, yes, that dress looks lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and in, in Hebrew, there's absolutely clear distinction in the vocabulary that's used. So it's very easy to see which they're talking about. And uh, the, the, what's said about that in the Old Testament is completely different for the two. You know, one is absolutely wrong, yeah. and the other, well, you know, sometimes you have to do it. Writing a book like this is going to be almost impossible to have someone finish it and land in all the same places that you have on every single subject. In writing this, was there ever a part of you that stayed up at night thinking, goodness, I could be really wrong about this, and, you know, one of your conclusions? I, I don't mind being completely wrong because I'm not claiming to be completely right yeah i'm saying look this is what the bible says this is how i'm reasoning and this is the conclusion i'm coming to and if someone says well no hang on what about this verse or what about this circumstance well that's good they're, they're thinking and that, that, that's what i want people to do with these chapters to get, get to the end and not say oh right that's the answer but get to the end and say oh right now that's given me some some, some stuff to think about yeah that's and really so, good yeah, yeah I'm not too bothered about being wrong, yeah. but actually, I don't think I am. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned before. I think I think you've already actually penned the next book in this series, haven't you? Is that is that all complete and ready to go? Yep. Yeah, uh, the next one is about doctrine and how it was understood in the first century. You know, stripping away two thousand years of church details, which have been added into our doctrines, and seeing what it would have, what Christian doctrine would have looked like to the very earliest Christians. Yeah. Oh wow, that's gonna be really good. So, and what about any other projects? Are you are you working on any more books, David? Uh, yeah, there, there's um, uh, there's another four after that. There, there's one on um, 
the Bible in the context of science. That's not um, beating up science with the Bible or beating up the Bible with science, mm. but taking them both as streams of truth and seeing how they, the science can help us understand things, how the Bible can help us understand things, putting them together. Uh, then I've got one on um, uh, the ancient literature and the Bible, that is uh, looking at the sorts of literature that are around at the times of the Old Testament, at the times of the New Testament, and seeing how we can learn about the way in which the Bible is talking from the way in which they were writing things, you know, how the poetry works, how history works, how letters work, and uh, helping us to understand the Bible that way. And then there's one on lifestyle, uh, the, the different ways in which people lived and uh, how that can make us understand some of these stories that are in the Bible, which yeah. sometimes don't really make sense. Yeah. You know, what on earth yeah. was it that Sarah found so hilarious that she made her laugh out loud? You know, it's the little gems in their customs that help unravel these stories that we got in front of us. They're based on articles which I've brought out in Christianity magazine, uh, but they, they tend to end up about twice as long in the book. Yeah, excellent. Uh, so they're sort of written, but uh, they're, they're, there's still a lot of work to be done on them. Uh, three manuscripts have gone off to Lexham, and uh, there's another three to be delivered. Ah, awesome. So when is the next one out then, David? I don't know. That, that's uh, up to Lexham. Uh, it's uh, already out of my hands. Uh, they've got two manuscripts from me. Brilliant. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to reading that. Hopefully, we'll get you back on the um, show and, and we can talk about that when it gets released. And you can uh, you can see the books being written uh, at BibleContexts.com. That's uh, Bible Contexts with an S at the end of the context because the Bible has so many contexts that it's speaking into. BibleContexts.com. And so you can pick up the chapters for free there. Oh, I put awesome. uh, two chapters up every month uh, so that you can read them and comment on them and uh, discuss and disagree. Uh, and then uh, next month, there's another two chapter- chapters oh, there. That's so good. Well, well, we'll put a link to that in the um, description below then, David. So thank you for thank you for that. Do you do any social media? Are you on, any, are you on Twitter or Instagram? Uh, well, I, I have an account on Twitter and I uh, have some private groups in Facebook, but I tend not to i'm a very unsocial person oh yeah <laughs> brilliant okay well we'll put the link into the website below um we'll also put a link into the, the you know where you can buy the book via lexum in the link below as well david thank you so much for your time i've really enjoyed speaking to you today great talking to you david thank you so much all the best david